I would invite you to open your Bibles this evening to the book of Proverbs again, chapter 8 this evening. We'll move on and we'll hear wisdom herself, as it were, uh, teaching a lesson to the son uh, whom the father and the mother were teaching just prior. I want you to think of a Solomon as the one who is teaching his sons the way of wisdom, and now he provides wisdom, the righteousness, the understanding, the discernment and discretion of the Lord uh, to teach. Uh, we find wisdom here crying out, pleading with the simple uh, to find um, discernment and understanding from the one who is able to give it. Proverbs chapter 8, I'll begin reading in verse 1, and I'll just read the whole chapter. Does not wisdom cry out, and understanding lift up her voice? She takes her stand on the top of the hill, beside the way where the paths meet. She cries out by the gates, at the entrance of the city, at the entrance of the doors. To you, O men, I call, and my voice is to the sons of men. O you simple ones, understand prudence, and you fools, be of an understanding heart. Listen, for I will speak of excellent things, and from the opening of my lips will come right things. For my mouth will speak truth, wickedness, and is abomination to my lips. All the words of my mouth are with righteousness. Nothing crooked or perverse is in them. They are all plain to him who understands. And write to those who find knowledge. Receive my instruction and not silver, and knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is better than rubies, and all the things that one may desire cannot be compared with her. I, wisdom, dwell with prudence, and find out knowledge and discretion. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Pride and arrogance and the evil way in the perverse mouth I hate. Counsel is mine and sound wisdom, I am understanding. I have strength. By me, kings reign and rulers decree justice. By me, princes rule and nobles all the judges of the earth. I love those who love me, and those who seek me diligently will find me. Riches and honor are with me, enduring riches and righteousness. My fruit is better than gold, yes, than fine gold, and my revenue than choice silver. I traverse, excuse me, I traverse the way of righteousness in the midst of the paths of justice, that I may cause those who love me to inherit wealth, that I may fill their treasuries. The Lord possessed me at the beginning of his way, before his weeks works of old. I have been established from everlasting from the beginning before there was ever an earth. When there were no depths, I was brought forth. When there were no fountains abounding with water, Before the mountains were settled, before the hills, I was brought forth. While as yet he had not made the earth or the fields or the primal dust of the world. When he prepared the heavens, I was there. When he drew a circle in the face of the deep. When he established the clouds above. When he strengthened the fountains of the deep. When he assigned to the sea its limit so that the waters would not transgress his command. When he marked out the foundations of the earth, then I was beside him as a master craftsman, and I was daily his delight, rejoicing always before him, rejoicing in his inhabited world, and my delight was with the sons of men. 
Now therefore listen to me, my children, for blessed are those who keep my ways. Hear instruction and be wise and do not disdain it. Blessed is the man who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting at the posts of my doors. For whoever finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. But he who sins against me wrongs his own soul, and those who hate me love death. As far the reading of God's word, let me pray now for the blessing of the preaching of it. Lord, we come... Uh, As those who are in need of your instruction, of course, Uh, we have a variety of ideas that are often floating around in our head about how the world works. It is easy for us to be confident in our own wisdom and knowledge and understanding. And though we have been in your house many times, there is still much to learn. Uh, That as we draw close to you this evening, that we would be humble to hear your word as it is preached, so that in hearing it and in believing it and receiving it, you might stir up within us um, spiritual affections, and that those affections, O oh Lord, would result uh, in lives that are more holy than they were when we came in here. That is, we'd be committed again to the keeping of your commands and then to promotion of your glory among those whom we dwell. Lord, that wisdom, that thing which dwells beyond time, might benefit us benefit us who dwell here temporally. That we would see its temporal benefit, not just in the work and how it blesses us, but Lord, even in worship as we delight in you. Lord, make us, in a word, wise. As we hear your word preached, Do this work in our hearts, we pray in your name. Amen. This evening, uh, we turn to Lady Wisdom uh, that we might hear what she has to say. Again, when we hear of Lady Wisdom, uh, think of the father who is endeavoring to rhetorically persuade his son to listen. He knows what is attractive to his son. Uh, There are therefore in the book of Proverbs in these opening chapters two women that are presented to the son. They are both beautiful and they are both loud. But one has a message, a word that leads to life and the other a message that leads to death. In essence, what the father is doing is he is laying before the son time and time again two choices. And he is helping them, him, them, many children actually are often spoken of, not just one son, but sometimes multiple children are addressed. What path is which and what those paths ultimately lead to? Those paths begin with a gate. You've maybe seen it in the game show, door number one, door number two. Door number one is the gate of wisdom. And you need to understand that both of these doors are, and those who stand at them, are calling out to you to open the door and walk through. And the reason why we often choose folly is not just out of ignorance, 
although sometimes that does happen. But because, as Calvin would say concerning the hearts of men, our hearts are idle factories. Oftentimes we choose sin knowing exactly what's behind that door. And this is how we often convince ourselves that it's okay. It won't harm me. It won't harm anyone else. And that is why the Father has, in times or chapters previous to this, warned of the destruction of choosing folly. And to put an even finer point on it, as we are moving through and coming to the opening statements of the book of Proverbs, chapters 1 through 9, and then starting in chapter 10 is where you have a lot of these parables that we are often familiar with when we read through the book of Proverbs. The father wants to give wisdom an opportunity to beckon the son's heart. And so that is what I want to look at this evening. Three points. Wisdom's public rhetoric. Wisdom's public rhetoric. We see that in verses 1 through 11. Also, secondly, what wisdom possesses and gives. We see that in verses 12 through 31. What wisdom possesses and gives. And then heading three, the only real choice. The only real choice. And we see that in verses 32 through 36. Let's look at the first Wisdom's public rhetoric. In verses 1 through 11, in the very beginning, the Father, in essence, introduces the new speaker. Does not wisdom cry out? Does she not lift up her voice? She takes stand on the top of a hill where all the paths meet. And in verse 3, she cries out by the gates at the entry of the city and at the entrance of the doors. The reason why wisdom is not embraced is not because she is not loud. Wisdom is loud. And she cries out to men certain things. She speaks with a voice that the sons of men might understand. She speaks to the simple so that they might have instruction, so that they might have prudence and an understanding heart. She has excellent things to say. But you must listen. You must tune in. Now, I think the Father is speaking of the revelation of God in two particular ways. Number one, what we often call natural revelation. And also, and especially, special revelation. Now, what do I mean by natural revelation? Well, elsewhere in the books of wisdom, in Psalm 19, beginning in verse 1, this is what we read. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows his handiwork. Day unto day utters speech, and night unto night reveals knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line has gone out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. Or Solomon elsewhere says, and I've said it before, go to the ant, you sluggard. The ant doesn't know she's preaching, she's teaching. And yet, the writer of Proverbs would have men, the son, to go to the ant and learn something from her. And what is he to learn? Diligence without constantly having to be managed. If there is anything, parents, that we ought to impart into our children and take great pains... 
It is how to put our kids on some form of autopilot. Yes, I know. This takes time and much diligence and patience. But you should be able to press the do your chores button, and 30 minutes when you come back, those chores are done. Yes, I understand that as soon as I say that, what I am not saying is it happens perfectly in the Fowler house, right, from the highest to the lowest. (laughs) Even I don't always do my chores, having pressed the, what is it, the easy button? (laughs) But that is how we are to act in wisdom. Go to the ant. She has no governor, no commander. She just does what God has called her to do. And when the ant gathers food in the summer, that ant is singing a kind of song. Just like the sun and the moon and the mountains and the kudzu. (laughs) Right? All creation is, is sort of electric and it reverberates with this song that God has put into it from its foundation. And we are to see it and go, oh, this works and this doesn't. In fact, in the book of Romans, when Paul is endeavoring to level against Jew and Gentile that they are violators of God's revelation, he appears to natural and special revelation. That men are so wicked They see what nature says and they misrepresent it. And they do it all the time. Why do they do that? Because they have a moral, emotional interest. They have stakes in misrepresenting nature and misinterpreting Scripture. And yet wisdom goes, hey, what are you doing? Don't go that way. Don't do that thing. Don't believe that. And not only is she crying out from a high place, but that cry is an invitation. It's not merely condemnation. In fact, the invitation of wisdom, our invitation should look like that as a congregation of Lord Jesus Christ. We cry out warning and for the simple to come in and be wise. The doors are open. In fact, for whom is wisdom? It's for fools like us. It's for the simple. So that we might hear the truth. That we might know what wisdom despises. Verse 7. Wickedness is an abomination To my lips. That means she does not take joy in, teach, or promote wickedness. Nothing crooked is perverse in them. They are all plain to him who understands. And write to those who find knowledge. And everywhere we turn, there is an endorsement of wickedness. Now how... Do you capture the hearts and the minds of men and women? You begin in their youth. And the world has a play that they run upon our youth. Uh, Recently, um, a film came out that is entitled uh, by that very popular toy that came out decades ago. It's called Barbie. 
Um, don't be fooled. This movie is not for children. It's really not for anyone. Um, at the very beginning of the film, uh, there is essentially a scene in which the Barbies are delighting in what is a metaphor for abortion. And then the movie goes on to make several homosexual jokes, and it ends with this assault on God-ordained patriarchy. It's a very interesting film. It's the kind of film you expect Warner Brothers to make. Now, the reason I mention it is this. There are parents who lack discernment who will go into this film and they think, oh, it's a film for children. And their children, and especially their young daughters, will be indoctrinated by those ideas. Why children? Because they're soft. They're made by God to be teachable. And yes, parents, I know sometimes it doesn't appear the way your that doesn't appear like your children are teachable. But we all begin simple, basic. In fact, if you look at an x-ray of a child, you see places where their bones aren't even joined together. Why? Because babies fall down. And they're made by God to be, well, I guess a little bouncy, durable. They can withstand these kinds of things. It is itself symbolic of the nature of the human soul. We are to be informed by the one who speaks on behalf of God. And we are to come to wisdom and we are to hear the lesson and we are to see that what wisdom has, verses 10 and 11, is far more valuable than all the things of earth. It is more precious than any stone. It is more precious than choice rubies. And there is nothing on earth that compares with wisdom. And so wisdom is calling to the simple, to the young. Listen to me. Because what does wisdom possess? And what is she ready to give? Well, let's look. Verse 12. Wisdom's roommate is prudence. They dwell together. Prudence is the ability to act with discretion. The word discretion is used in verse 12. We find those parallels throughout the book of Proverbs, or line to line. Is the ability to make decisions when it seems hard to know what the right thing to do is. You are trained in practical righteousness because you have been drinking from the well of understanding. She dwells with prudence. And then in verse 13, she says, The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride and arrogance in the evil way. Wisdom nurtures a despisal of those things that are antithetical to the revelation or the righteous revelation of God. And this is why wisdom is important. Not only does she tell you what it is, but she teaches you. She gives counsel. Now, what is counsel? Well, I remember when I was in university and I took calculus, I had a teacher, but I did not have a counselor. 
They were conveying information, but what that professor had no time for or the lack of desire to do was to walk an idiot through Calculus 1. Speaking of myself here. And I'm sitting there going, I don't understand half the words that are coming out of your mouth. I don't even, where are we? Am I still on earth? What is this stuff? It was, as they say, Greek to me. There actually is a lot of Greek in math. What I needed was someone who did not just know how to balance an equation, how to solve for X, but I needed someone who could take me by the hand and go, here is how you move from the beginning to the end of this equation. That is wisdom. She is near. She is intimate. She actually cares that you get it. In the verse 15, she has knowledge and discretion, and that knowledge and discretion is not just for the simple. And when we think simple, we think whom? Weak. But there are also simple kings. I don't have to tell you that, right, in today's political climate. There are simple-minded kings. But it is actually by wisdom that kings reign. And rulers decree justice. If a king does not commit themselves to wisdom, they cannot rule in justice and decree justice. Wisdom is for rulers as well as those who are ruled. In fact, it is the only right way to rule. Now, where is wisdom seen? Well, wisdom is seen rightly in nature. And it is important that we understand natural revelation, but there are some things in nature that if we lean only upon natural revelation, we miss if we are not opening up the law of God. So there is even now within reform circles a debate as to what law should be applied to the commonwealth, to societies. How should kings be informed how they rule? And there are some who would say that the special revelation of God has been given to the church and natural revelation or natural law has been given to the state. The problem is this. How do we actually know of what actions are practiced in nature, what are good? Do we look to the animals? Right? Is our only problem that we need a Dr. Doolittle? Is he the one that we need in order to inform how we are? T- you know who Dr. Doolittle is? The one who could walk, you know, talk to the end. Anyway, I grew up on Dr. Doolittle. <laughs> Can you tell me, elephant? How do we structure a constitution? Well, I don't know. Right? That would be the answer. I, I, I picture elephants talking slowly with very stately voices, Right? I can't help it growing up on a diet of Disney movies where all the animals talked. There are some uh, who would call themselves post-Christians who are recovering from biblical orthodoxy, and I just saw a post today excusing certain moral depravity in our culture by looking at animals for examples as to how we are to think of human morality. 
Have you ever seen a lion take down a gazelle? Have you? What lesson do we learn from that? What? Well, the lesson that we learn is that you and I have brought great sin into creation. And all the earth groans. Well, where do you learn that? The Bible. What wisdom is saying is that both books of Revelation need to be opened. The book of nature and the book of scripture. And that both of those books that form the complete picture of God's self-revelation to man need to be taken, they need to be weighed, they need to be ingested, and then they need to be applied to our lives. So that when you read, thou shalt not kill... How do we apply that to every facet of life? Christ says in the Sermon on the Mount, if you've said, I hate you with your mouth, you have murdered in your heart. Wow. And what wisdom is saying here is this. I bless all. I give riches and honor, verse 18. What I have to give is better than gold, though when you exercise wisdom, guess what you get? You do get wealth. You may not get it in the way you want. You may not get it as quickly as you want. But the wealth of the nations is built only upon the righteous actions of those who submit to the revealed will of God. In fact, what happens to the riches that righteous man gain when it is left to fools? What happens? Well, we know, right? We actually have a turn for it. Those who are born with a silver spoon in their mouth. Those who grow up in a system of wealth, but they did not learn wisdom, what quickly happens? It is squandered, it is wasted, and it is taken away. Wisdom says to the low and high-born to the weak, to the powerful, to kings and everyone else in the nation. I'm the answer. Seek me. And so she gives power and wealth to kings. What does she possess? The ability to live well. And then there is a reason attached to that. Look at verse 22 and following. We see in verses 22 through 31, two things concerning wisdom. She dwells beyond time. And she has purposed to enter into time to bless those who are within the temporal sphere. Look at verse 22. The Lord possessed me at the beginning before his works of old. And so wisdom is not created like other things. She is begotten. She is, again, I'm not speaking literally of a woman. (laughs) Wisdom is the means. It is God's Sovereign discretion by which he made all things. So when you think of the sun and how it operates and the moon that goes around the earth and all of these planets that go around the sun and then you have the Milky Way and then you have all of these other galaxies, God in his wisdom put them there, spoke them into existence. And you and I have been for 6,000 years as a human race gone, how did this happen? And wisdom goes, 
I, I can actually tell you how this happened. Here's what we'll do. We'll go to Genesis chapter 1. <laughs> Moses wrote this down a long time ago. In fact, what God was doing when he spoke to Moses and was giving to him a glimpse of those things that no one could see. Who saw creation? Who saw it? Wisdom. Wisdom saw it in a manner of speaking. And so when Moses is writing to Israel, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He is establishing biblical wisdom against natural wisdom of the Egyptians. Because when they looked at the stars, what did they do? They bowed down their hearts to the stars and worshipped them. What saved Israel from that kind of pagan idolatry? In the beginning, God spoke. The same God who brought the plagues against your oppressors, the same God who led you across the Red Sea, he dwells beyond and he has made himself known. And so what ought we do? Boast in the wisdom of God. Do not be ashamed of it. But to boast in it. In fact, the wisdom that belongs to the church is greater than the wisdom, as it were, that belongs to the biology departments of every university in the world that says what? Man is the measure of all things. You are but stardust, right? A happy accident. The product of generations of what began as primordial ooze. Right? How do we know this? Because we have a first-hand witness who has told us what has happened. And God has made himself known among us. And so, wisdom is outside of time. Verse 25, Before the mountains were settled, before the hills I was brought forth, while as yet he had made none, the earth or the fields or the primal dust of the world. In a sense, we can speak of wisdom here as the word made flesh, the one in whom God made all things, the eternal Logos, the Son of God, who was not made but eternally begotten. Wisdom was there. When he prepared, verse 27, the heavens, I was there. What greater, what greater recommendation do you need than I am God's partner in creation than to go get wisdom? I mean, have you ever stayed up that late at night, right? All the good programs. Are there any more good programs? You know what I mean. All the regularly scheduled programming is over. And then, right, the loud commercials, whether it's a knife or this sealant that can literally plug a hole while water is coming out of it. Yeah, right, whatever. Do you know what I mean? And they don't just push the product and show you how it can help. You bring in the testimonials, right? I had this problem, and all of a sudden I bought this thing, and my problem went away. It's Susie from Indiana. And they're always from the Midwest, which I think is interesting. <laughs> These sort of disarming accents, or lack thereof. 
What greater testimonial than this? I am partnered with prudence. I am able to give knowledge and discretion. Oh, and and to add, I was there. I see everything. I know it all before the primal dust of the earth settled. I was there. Look at verse 30. Then I was beside him as a master craftsman, and I was daily his delight. What greater testimonial of wisdom is there than God delights in me? The question for us is, are we those in whom we wish God to delight? Do we want God to delight in us? We're exhorted in Scripture to delight in the Lord. But we are also exhorted in Scripture to be those in whom the Lord delights. Children, you know exactly this path as a child. Your parents delight in you when you honor them by doing the things they've asked you to do for the reasons they've asked you to do them. Not just doing it, but with a smile. I mean, parents, is there any greater feeling than getting up in the morning and the things you've told your kids they've done without having to be asked? And you wonder, what do you want? (laughs) Isn't that a cynical take? What are you about to ask me? But here's the way God offers it. He's given us everything. The earth belongs to men. And he has called us to faithfully steward that. And he has given us every instruction that is necessary. And not just in our labors. But as we think about wisdom that was with God in creation, she was with him when he labored. And then look at verse 31. I rejoice always before him. Wisdom doesn't just work well. Wisdom worships well. What is a wise life look like? It is the proper balance of entering into the work that God has begun by establishing here on earth a kingdom of righteousness and worship. And worship. When we gather for worship on Sunday, we are acting wise. We are here to rejoice in his inhabited world. Who is inhabiting it? Well, we are inhabiting it. Inhabiting it. He is inhabiting it. I'm going to stop saying that word. <laughs> He's living here with us. And we delight in him. Wisdom is the pattern then for how we organize all of it. And then last point. Let's move to it quickly. Because of these things, it's the only real choice. There's a warning in verse 36, but prior to that warning, it's what? It's the same. Choose wisdom. Get wisdom. Do not disdain it, for there is great blessing. I mean, I know that sounds at times as we've moved through the Proverbs like a bit of a a repeated refrain, and it is. And it's a repeated refrain because we have repeated opportunities to choose wisdom or folly. And God would have us remember that that choice is constantly presented to us. And we must constantly fight 
By setting before ourselves the truths that are found in Scripture through the Spirit's help to walk that path by which God made all things, by which we enter into rest, by which he uses us to build a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Do you wish to live? Do you wish to find favor with the Lord? Then what is the clear exhortation? Listen to wisdom. But for those who do not, there is the warning. He who sins against me wrongs his own soul. Parents, ultimately, this is why we are training up our children. It is not because we do not want them to sin against us, though they can. We wish for them to not sin against the one who made them, but to delight in the Lord, to receive from him the salvation that comes from his hand, and to embrace the way that leads to life.